Welcome to this season two episode of the Me Sweet podcast. I'm your host, Donna Peters. I am a career coach for people who want a life, who want to live with what I call a Me Sweet mindset. Just like leaders in the C suite, we need to do three things well in our own personal lives. First, letting our personal core values guide our decisions. Second, keeping our day to day life running smoothly. And third, staying fresh and relevant for the future that we wish to have. Here, our guests balance the aspirational with the practical by sharing tips on what we can start doing differently on Monday to lead our lives with a me sweet mindset. The number one thing I've learned is that people are amazing if you give them a chance to tell their unique stories. So let's get in there. On today's episode of The Me Suite, we are interviewing guest Dr. Kyra Bobinette. Kyra is the CEO of Fresh Try. We'll talk about that business in a moment. She is an MD and has a master's in public health. And her business, Fresh Try, focuses on bringing brain science to habit formation. And she also talks about a concept of mindlessness. And yes, I said that correctly. We are bombarded with the concept of mindfulness in the world today. And Kyra is turning this on its head and talking about mindlessness. And I'm also thrilled to be highlighting themes from her recent book called Well-Designed Life. 10 Lessons in Brain Science and Design Thinking for a Mindful, Healthy, and Purposeful Life. So I am thrilled to have today in the Me Suite with me, Dr. Kyra Bobinette. It's wonderful to be here with you, Donna. I'm going to learn a lot, Kyra, so I need to stop talking and turn it over to you. Let's start with your core values and how they have guided decisions in your life. Absolutely. So I think as a doctor, my first value is do no harm. And Mm. I've extended that further into reduce suffering. And that kind of being the sort of North Star of everything I do, my business, how I run my business, the book, writing the book, it was done out of this kind of compassion for Mm. my audience. I had done a bunch of keynotes and people would come to me afterwards and say, hey, you know, where, where can I read more? And that's what propelled me to write the book because I would have had to give them a huge bibliography of thousands of articles and hundreds of books and things like that. So it really is an anthology of, you know, how to change your behavior kind of question. And then my second value, I think that's driving me the most these days is what is this teaching me? That that's sort of mm. endless curiosity and trying to understand the patterns in what's happening to and from me so that I can be a better operator, I can be a better leader, I can be a better servant. I'm really into servant leadership to the world, you know, around me. And then I think the the third thing is, and this is very square with, you know, me sweet and well-designed life. And then now fresh try is this idea of iterators never fail. Mm. And so those are sort of the three things that I think just really drive me, you know, keep me honest and give me a sense of purpose and grounding in this life. You know, as you know, it's a very crazy life, especially now. Mm. So there's actually a real interesting finding this year. Um, there was an HBR article on mindsets in January of 2020. And I ran across this sort of mid-year as I was locked down in COVID and mm. found that, you know, it really was this light bulb that went on in my head. Uh, there's a performance mindset that has been well-documented in goal-oriented literature. 
Mm-hmm. And it was, it came out of education and it came out of very high performing people. And it's not to say that high performing people have to use performance mindset all the time, but basically what it is, is in the area that you are incredibly confident in, you can use this kind of performance mindset, you know, AKA goals, tracking, mm. you know, quarterly goals, you know, that's sort of like smart goals. All of that has to sit on this sort of confidence layer within an area that you already have expertise built up. However, when it comes to things that are unsure or your growth edge or those sorts of things where if you take a chance and you don't do well, you might stop trying. And I'll get into that in a second. Ah. That's where iterative mindset is much more powerful. And it's a derivative of another mindset called learning mindset. Mm -hmm. And Iterative mindset is kind of adds that piece around not only my learning from my experiment, uh, from trying, from practicing something new, but I'm iterating. I have that, I have that mindset of action around. And then when I run into any impasse, I'm going to iterate, meaning that I'm going to tweak it, tinker it. I'm going to choose my next thing. I'm going to level up. I'm going to make it smaller. Whatever I'm going to do, I'm the master of that. I'm the person who is in charge of the creative process of what I'm trying. And that tends to be the most protective factor for people growing and becoming more and more adept at things. So I'm much more of a fan of iterative mindset at this point than performance mindset because performance mindset, while it operates really well in the short term, has Mm -hmm. this kind of nasty backwash of failure attached to it. I love it. In my brain-based coaching and certification in neuroscience of leadership, we know the brain needs safety. Yeah. And you know, you're probably making the brain safe for your clients and helping them to do that because of an area of the brain that I cover in chapter one called the habenula. Mm-hmm. And what I'm seeing is that everybody who's innovating these days is has some way of neutralizing the habenula effect. And I'll unpack that now. The habenula is part of your brain that is a fail switch. It is a kill switch. When you think you failed, it will kill your motivation to try again. And the most insidious part of that is that that motivation loss happens subconsciously. So what happens is that if I think I failed on a Wednesday, Thursday I wake up and I don't feel like doing it anymore, but Uh I don't know that I don't feel like doing it anymore. So then consciously I think, well, I'm just not motivated or I'm a failure or I'm a quitter or Mm. whatever this sort of back narrative is that fills in for me not knowing that I lost my motivation. So I think what you're doing with your clients is you're basically saying, here, let's make this emotionally safe. Let's make your brain feel safe around trying this thing. Mm. That way you don't feel like you're going to hit a failure point and therefore kill your motivation. It's quite intuitive on your part that you're doing that. And and I've seen all kinds of smart people find little ways around the habenula. I'm glad that I now have a really (laughs) educated word to call it. Please teach everybody that word. I really, I want the world to know that really awkward, weird word because it really does help explain why we are experiencing what we are experiencing. You know, the sort of common problem of, I know what I should do. I don't know why I don't do it. Yeah. It's it's that. Yeah. I love it. I know what I should do. I just don't know why I don't do it. That's right. So let's get into this intersection of design thinking and brain science. How, I think a lot of our listeners are going to be familiar with the concept of design thinking in a business application. Yeah. But let's 
be careful. I know that knowing an acronym or a phrase doesn't make you smart, but not knowing it can make you feel silly. Let's do define design thinking for the listeners. And then I want to draw the connection between how do you take that design thinking concept and then apply it to your own life, not just a business project. So design thinking, as I understand it, is basically sort of three parts. Mm -hmm. Number one is asking, how might we? And starting a fresh sort of question about the problem that you're trying to solve and studying that and collecting information. And then the second part is ideating on that and converging on a prototype. And then the third part of that is testing the prototype, getting feedback, iterating on the prototype until it fits. And so that whole process in total creates kind of a circular effect where you're constantly iterating on you're doing, you're constantly versioning on what you're doing and getting closer and closer and closer to the person that you're trying to serve. So user-centered design, human-centered design is what it, you know, is known for. And I think that it's better than brainstorming and those sorts of tools that were in existence prior to design thinking taking over the world. Yeah. Because it, continues to relentlessly iterate on these mm. things and, and and get tighter and tighter and more tailored and more fitting. And it also has a smaller start point, like there's something called a minimally viable product mm-hmm. or a minimally viable idea, right? And so you're not putting monolithic, huge resources, which big companies used to do all the time before design thinking, and you're testing it. You're kind of test and learn, test and learn in this small way before you make a huge mistake with a budget or with a bunch of people or with a brand or anything that could be catastrophic. Yeah. So when you said that you're iterating and iterating around the person you're trying to serve in well-designed life, that person is yourself, right? That's right. You are the designer and you are the client nice. in that case. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm loving that. So what is an example of how that process applies to designing your life? I'll just give an example of my own addiction, which is Starbucks soy chai. Very good. I had this really nasty habit of going to Starbucks every morning. And it was sort of a coping mechanism, trying to get myself pumped up to Mm. going to work. And and I had a really big corporate job and I had, you know, back-to-back meetings no bio breaks whatsoever during the Mm -hmm. day. It was completely unrealistic. And so I think that I needed the caffeine jolt in the morning, but I didn't like coffee and it had a ton of sugar in it. Well, then as I hit my middle age time, I started to accumulate all this back fat, which really was not me. It wasn't my self-image. And I was working out just as much. It wasn't that. It was just Mm -hmm. that the, the carbs was just creating this fat layer. And so I had to really iterate on that. Okay. So then I started doing one less pump or a smaller version of the chai. Well, that wasn't Ah. satisfying. And then I, you know, kind of iterated, iterated and started adding bags of tea instead of the sugar syrup. And, you know, so lo and behold, today, what I have is a homebrew. I don't Mm -hmm. go to Starbucks every day Mm. and I make my own with a loose tea mix with stevia instead of sugar with cashew milk, which has no sugar in it as well, unsweetened. Mm. And that is my solution. And so it took me about five or six years to get there. But because I kept, you know, iterating and using design thinking on that, I actually got myself out of that. And lo and behold, the back fat is pretty much gone. All righty. Okay. So it's a success story here. And (laughs) 
you were demonstrating some patience. So th- there must also be something in there around the brain science of you stuck to it and you weren't expecting immediate results. Is that fair? Well, that's where the iterative mindset comes in. Okay. It controls your expectations of what it is, the story you tell yourself of what you are doing. Uh, If I use performance mindset, what happens is that I say to myself, I'm going to succeed at this, or my finish line is at this date, or I'm going to, you know, break the eight minute mile that I chose for myself as a runner, or I'm going to, you know, those kinds of things. And those are good, but they're high stakes. You know, Mm. if I don't reach it on time or in exactly the same way, if I don't get my 10,000 steps yesterday, then I get a little bit of that habenula hit and then I get a little bit of a motivation loss and I start to backslide. And that's where relapse comes from, right? And so the iterative mindset gives you that patience, gives you that relentlessness because you're kind of so interested in being the mad scientist of, you know, can I get myself to do this? Maybe I can get myself to do that. Maybe I can get myself to do that. And that's what, you know, Fresh Try is all about that. We're just basically saying, hey, what can you get yourself to do right now If that didn't happen, toss it out. Don't even think about it. It was the thing you tried, not you. Try something else. Try something next. And that's why it's called Fresh Try because you're basically looking at it anew every time. And so, uh, you know, my my story of Starbucks Soy Chai is one of thousands of stories that we've collected from people who have done this. And it's honestly, from my position as Mm -hmm. a public health physician, as a scientist, as a designer... Mm-hmm. It is the only mechanism that I would trust to create lasting change and that kind of mindlessness that you that you led with at the top. Yeah, I love it. I want to go into Fresh Try now a little bit more. You've just mentioned it. So uh, for the listeners, it's Fresh Try, one word, Fresh, T-R-I. We'll, we'll have um, more details about how to access it in the show notes. Tell us, uh, Dr. Kyra, what is Fresh Try and what is its purpose? So Fresh Try is kind of an organic uh, shift in my company. I had a design company and behavior design company, and mm-hmm. we were hired by Walmart to basically rethink chronic conditions and mm-hmm. what could help their associates, their employees to be healthier. Okay. And so we went into the field, we went into a lot of obesogenic states like Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, And then we scaled that out to the United States and all of their associates. And what we found was that there were some people, they were rare, Mm -hmm. but some people who could change their life, lose weight, keep it off for years and permanently Mm -hmm. change their lifestyle in the midst of a food desert, in the midst Mm -hmm. of being a single parent, in the midst of, you know, having a low wage job or two jobs or taking care of their senior parents. It was amazing. These people were heroic. And they used all kinds of tools and programs and methods to mm-hmm. do this. But the one thing they had in common was this iterative mindset, which mm-hmm. really was eye-opener for me because I was using design thinking, but I really didn't think about it as a mindset that would power behavior change. And so they would just form habits that you know, eventually, after many, many practices, would become their new default. Mm-hmm. And they would, it's almost like a, a brick in a wall. They would build up this little wall of all these bricks, each of which were more healthy versions of what they were doing, each of which were mindless, meaning that they didn't require any thought. They didn't require any effort because it was the way that they lived mm-hmm. at that point. And mm-hmm. so that's what they put it on cruise control and set it and forget it. And they went on with their lives. And that, that way they dealt with the stress and the time constraints that we all deal with without having to tend to it. 
So I really was inspired by, you know, their, their common practice around the iterative mindset. Mm-hmm. And Fresh Try was kind of a, a software to try to, to scale that to people who didn't know how to think like that or who were thinking maybe in a performance mindset. You know, the, the industry is dominated by goals and tracking apps. Yes. Dominated. It yes. absolutely is a hundred percent of what we do. And again, short term results, long term failure and quitting. And I feel like we have this kind of quitting epidemic, not an obesity epidemic, mm-hmm. because of all these performance-based apps. And so mm. Fresh Try is just trying to emulate the brilliance of these amazing people. And we actually did a study last year on whether we were successful in doing this. And we were able to show weight loss successfully at about a pound a week, naturally. Mm. Wow. Um, and the formation of habits, which we used a scientifically validated instrument for that to prove that. Mm -hmm. And that shows that the brain is actually responding in this kind of mindless uh, sense. It's called automaticity in science. And then the the third thing is that we were able to show that they formed their theoretical mindset. So those those three things were very promising that we're actually accomplishing this, this mimicry between the heroes who use theater to mindset, who, who taught us that mm-hmm. that was a thing, and then scaling that out to people who don't know how to do it like that. Help me understand how Fresh Try is not performance mindset. What is the software, the app? What, what is it doing? Can you bring that to life a little bit? Yes, of course. You know, it's, it's more about starting with the expectation of you're going to try something. You're going to mm-hmm. practice something. Mm-hmm. And I want you to abandon that or tweak it depending on what happens. Okay. If you try something, if you say, I'm, my intention is to eat more veggies with every meal, mm-hmm. and then you see no, no results in mm-hmm. the first day, just abandon it. Do something different. Maybe that's not where you need to start. You know, oh. Maybe you need to start with taking a little bit of less soda every day. Or we had one woman we heard about in our story, you know, research who had an addiction to Doritos. What she did was she would every day eat one less Dorito in the bag until she got down to a full bag and she would take one Dorito out of the bag, lick off the flavoring because through her iterative mindset, she realized, oh, I just like the flavoring. She would lick a chip and then throw the chip away. Wow. And that's how she would eat Doritos and she lost a ton of weight. So. Wow. There's all kinds of weird figurings out and, mm-hmm. and that, and Fresh Try is just there to offer a menu of evidence-based habits that you okay. can try on almost like a, a clothing store. You're trying on these sweaters. Nah, that doesn't really work. That color doesn't look good on me. And you're just iterating your way through what works for you. And you're building that up mm-hmm. as a lifestyle, as habits that really are these building blocks to your lifestyle. This is interesting too, because of the iterative mindset and it's creative and it's more positive rather than self-flagellation. It okay. seems to be yes. more focused on <laughs> self-compassion. That- Absolutely. You're, you're totally spot on. You're okay. totally spot on. I mean, that's the intention because, mm-hmm. you know, the shame is what kills people. Yeah. You know, the shame and the failure and mm-hmm. the guilt and all that stuff. We just want to wipe all that away and say, you know, that's uh-huh. not even needed. That's not even important. You know, like, stop it. Just stop. Like, you know, there's a better way. Be nice to yourself. You know, just practice something. You know, this, this is a skill. You have to practice a skill, right? Yeah. And, and so stop thinking that you're going to be good at it out of the gate, which is what most programs set up people to do. 
Yeah, I have a little, you can't see me, but I have chill bumps. I think this is amazing. You've been put on the planet at the right time. Well, I hope that we can do this together, you know, and, and again, you know, what you're doing, what a lot of, so this is the era of people who are iterating mm-hmm. and people who are, you know, doing small steps, baby steps, mm-hmm. you know, making it safe to try, you know, getting people to try again, that whole class of people that we are a part of and that this audience is a part of is going to change for the better mm-hmm. how behavior change is done because it's not that performance mindset isn't good. Mm-hmm. It's a good tool when you have a lot of confidence or there's something like non-reversible. Like, you know, if I get a college degree, you can't take that away from me. But if I lose 20, 40 pounds, that's not going to be guaranteed to stay off. So we just need to use these tools appropriately for the right use case. Yeah. It's interesting. A couple of months ago, I wrote a blog that is now my most read one. It has the most hits and the most comments on it. And it was titled Make Straight C's. And Mm. it was a reflection of me in my academic career. And I had a reflection of most of the formal learning I had was me taking classes that I knew I would perform well in. Mm. Mm -hmm. Rather than Mm -hmm. the go take the thing that you really think scares you. You know, go, go take the thing that you might just make a C in and not an A. Right. And I wonder if that's part of this part of my brain I wasn't really familiar with that was activating, that I, don't have, I did not have the motivation to do things that I found scary or that I might not excel in. And yeah. if I had to go back to school and do it again, I would. The, the whole point of the blog was make straight Cs, challenge myself that a C is okay because that's really where I would be learning be more iterative. Yeah, and 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 for high performing people, people who are really successful, mm-hmm. they all share this sort of self-flagellation or this, mm-hmm. you know, performance making ensuring their performance, not wanting to fail and yeah. That that's why this this time in history in business and in science and in technology mm-hmm. is really important that we all figure out how to neutralize that habenula hit. You know, how, what story do I tell myself to, to give myself the courage and to make it okay to fail? You know, fa- Facebook early on said, fail fast, uh, fail forward is a big thing here in Silicon Valley. Yeah. And those are all ways to steer around the habenula. Growth mindset is another one. Carol Dweck's work in education so okay. that students don't, don't have that mindset of, if I don't get an A, I'm, I'm doomed. You know, there's yeah. no hope for me whatsoever. So we're starting to find our way as a human species away from this sort of, you know, do or die or A or F kind of thinking into, you know, this more iterative thinking. And I love that you were giving permission basically by writing that blog and, and, you know, helping people to think differently about it. Yeah. So you're making me feel a little bit more positive about the future than I was this morning. I love your work. Oh, there's there's a lot of hope. There is. <laughs> we a are lie. evolving. We are iterating. You know, it can look really dark. As mm. with my really superficial example of the soy chai, there's dark times where you feel mm-hmm. out of control and you feel like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. And that is, as you know, with every design project you've ever done, mm-hmm. there is this moment where you're just like, this is not going to work out for me. <laughs> this is not going to go anywhere. And then you keep iterating, you keep iterating, you keep iterating. And just like Dory in, you know, Finding Nemo just keeps yeah. swimming 
or, you know, one step in front of the other or those kinds of mottos, people Mm -hmm. find it. And it's just, it's spectacular to see people coming back from those things. What advice do you have for a MeSuite listener of something we can start doing differently on Monday? You know, I'm going to be super obvious here, but iteration, you know, just think Mm -hmm. of everything as an iteration. And this helps in my marriage. It helps in my team. It Mm. helps in every aspect of my life that if I see myself doing something subpar or disappointing or embarrassing or uh, out of fear, you know, Mm -hmm. I I just say, you know what, Kyra, you got to just, what's your next iteration? How can you iterate on this? How can you just do the slightest, tiniest change there and see what happens, you know, and have that attitude of curiosity and sort Mm -hmm. of, you know, uh, experimentation that this is just an experiment, have fun with it and and play with it a little bit and not take it too seriously. So I think that just shift in the way that everyone's seeing the projects that are before them, the career changes, whatever you're facing is going to help loosen that grip hold, that tightness that you've got that locks you down, that that drives procrastination, you know, and, and gets you moving again. Do you do that in a journaling type format or do you, are you just iterating in your head? Is there a discipline around what it would feel like or look like to iterate? You know, I have, I have gone through periods of heavy journaling and I do think that mm-hmm. if that, you know, whatever calls to you, again, iterate mm-hmm. on that, not to be stupid about that, but, you know, yeah. iterate on everything that you're trying. You know, I, I've gone through periods of journaling. I went mm-hmm. to therapy for six years. Right now, my current practice is to go down to the forest behind my house mm-hmm. and meditate for an hour in the wow. forest by myself. Mm-hmm. And so rain or shine. And so that is uh, like where I'm at right now. But I yeah. think for everybody, there's just a different way to wake up yourself. And I would just say, you know, explore that and, and be curious about that. So Dr. Kyra Bobinette, I want to thank you for bringing your intelligence and your motivation into the Me Suite today and for giving me what might now be my new favorite quote. You are the designer and the client of your own life in the well-designed life. You are the designer and the client. I love this mindset and I really appreciate you spending time with us And listeners, again, this is Dr. Kyra Bobinette, CEO of Fresh Try and author of Well-Designed Life. Thank you, Dr. Kyra. Thank you for your work, Donna. Subscribe to the podcast and give us five stars if you like what you're hearing. And learn more about the MeSuite career coaching and professional development at themesuite.com. It's the-me-suite.com. Suite is spelled like executive suite. This is Donna Peters, and I thank you for having me in your ear right now. Find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. The Me Suite, a source of power for the life-minded.